This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Hey, Lance. Yeah. Uh, what would you do if you could rule the world? Like the whole world? Yeah, the whole world. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. What would you do? I'd enforce a regular nap time at 3 p.m. Everyone takes a nap. Sure, yeah. Sleep's important. What would you do as ruler of the world? I'd get rid of lines. What? What's that? What, how, what do you mean? I hate waiting in lines. I want to pull a Scarlet Witch and say, no more lines. I don't know if that's really obtainable. Well, fine then. Would you settle for a Disneyland Fast Pass? Yeah. Yeah, that works. comic book keepers where we talk about comic book characters their history and their impact on our lives i'm chris and i'm lance and today we're talking about dr doom i should say (laughs) dr doom (laughs) and we have a special guest with us today chris hacker from the oblivion bar podcast welcome chris hello everyone thank you both chris and lance for having me here on the comic book keepers you guys are obviously if you follow either the comic book keepers or the oblivion bar on Twitter, you know that we are both fans of each other's shows. So when you guys said that you wanted to do an episode on Dr. Doom, I had to go ahead and put my, put my ticket in. This is the one episode I need to come on and talk to you guys about Dr. Doom, Victor Von Doom, the greatest villain, all of comics. Heck yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an easy spot to fill for our guest spot. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That was very, very convenient. So thanks for reaching out for that one. Mm Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about the Oblivion Bar. So the Oblivion Bar obviously is hosted by me, Chris Hacker, and my co-host Aaron Knowles. He and I met while we were in the military back in like around 2010, 2011, and uh, we instantly gravitated to the world of nerd. You know, we, we loved a lot of the same things, and we were constantly talking about movies and television, and we had a, a shared love of Daft Punk and, and all those things. And eventually I got out of the military, but our friendship continued on, and over the years, we were always trying to find some type of outlet to get out a lot of our nerdy thoughts. You know, it just it kind of expressed things in a more quality uh, way where potentially people could find themselves adding to that conversation or whatnot. And during COVID, April last year, we recently just uh, celebrated our one-year anniversary. Uh, we decided that we wanted to start a podcast. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It was uh, it was the 19th, I want to say, on April. Um, but uh, so we decided to start the Oblivion Bar and the Oblivion Bar now, as as we know it, is basically a week in review of all things nerd. So we talk about breaking news, we talk about uh, certain trailers, uh, different uh, casting news, and and certain films, uh, all the things when it comes to that. Then we usually have like a main topic, usually like a movie review, a top ten list. We do these fun. Uh, episodes called Battle Royale where we both pick six fighters and we put them up against each other and kind of have to like debate on who we think would win. Uh, we just, it's kind of anything that we want the Oblivion Bar to be, as long as it's nerdy related, we'll cover it. So uh, that's pretty much the Oblivion Bar in a nutshell. Yeah, nice. and I can I can strongly suggest a show I've listened to many episodes and it's always a lot of fun. 
And I, I, I do, we do this podcast mostly because we want to read more comics and learn things. And so I, I feel like every time I listen to the Oblivion Bar, I'm also still learning quite a bit about more characters or creators. And so it's, that's like what I search for when I'm looking for like a nerdy podcast. So I appreciate everything that you and your co-hosts do. Oh, it's appreciated. Same, same. I, I feel like that's probably the most, the thing that draws me into certain podcasts is when I'm learning, which obviously a great segue into you guys. It's part of the reason why I started listening to you guys is because your whole deal here on the comic book keepers is to essentially break down characters or, or anything in, in comic books and explain it to the listeners, which I love as well. Yeah, we've, we've enjoyed doing it. We, we started around the same time, I think last year mm -hmm. after quarantine. And, and at some point, I think we started releasing episodes in June or something like that. Right. Lance, um, yeah. or July maybe. But but we started talking about it pretty early and we recorded a, a lot of episodes before we released something. But we were like, yeah, we should we should do this. Like, we're, we're, what else are we doing? <laughs> right. So it, it came from that. I think uh, putting being in quarantine is just like, well, what what can we do to make ourselves feel better? Let's talk about nerdy stuff. Right. And it's a thing. It's something that like you guys would do regardless. It's just now you put a little bit of yeah. quality behind it and you present it for a group of people, listeners. Uh, you know, across the entire world to do the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's what we do at the Oblivion Bar. We we basically just take the things that I would be texting Aaron each week and put it into podcast form. So <laughs> yeah, yep. for sure. I think, awesome. I think one of the greatest compliments we've, I've ever seen on social media is just someone saying that they read a certain run that we had suggested for a character and that they enjoyed it. So for me, that was just like, yes, we've actually reached someone, got a comic book read. That's like the goal for it. So I loved it. Well, uh, we're going to get started with uh, Dr. Doom. So first of all, let's talk about kind of his bio. So Dr. Victor Von Doom or Dr. Doom is one of Marvel Comics's, if not the most, notorious supervillains and complex characters. Since his introduction in the Silver Age of Comics in 1962, he has been the archenemy of the Fantastic Four, but also an ever-present threat to the Marvel Universe. While ruling his country, Latveria, he is hell-bent on taking over the world, destroying Reed Richards, <laughs> or just being better than him, and amassing technological and arcane powers. And if you didn't know, he can pretty much accomplish anything he wants to. Doom has traveled through time, traveled to hell, traveled to heaven, defeated gods, gained the power of the Beyonder, overthrew nations, and in some alternate universes, conquered the Earth. Uh, Dr. Doom was ranked number four by Wizard in its list of 101 greatest villains of all time. He was number three on IGN's list of the top 100 comic book villains of all time. And in a later article, IGN would declare Doom as Marvel's greatest villain. Those rankings seem a little too low. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I, those need to go up just a little bit higher. Just a tad higher. Just a bit. So, Chris, you, you had already mentioned that when we were talking about potentially doing a Dr. Doom, you kind of jumped at the chance. So I just want to hear, before we even go into more in-depth about the character, what is it about Dr. Doom that gets you so excited and animated about his story? So Dr. Doom is one of those characters that uh, I would kind of almost compare him to like Magneto in the sense that he believes what he's doing is right. You know, he does not see, him, see himself as the villain. 
he, in, in his mind, he is the hero of all this. And if the world would just bend at the knee and give him what he wants, we would be better off. And it seems like every single story, Doom always finds a way to toe that line between right and wrong. And basically, it all comes down to basically his ego and the selfishness, this selfishness that he approaches each of his plans. So if it's not his plan, regardless of whether it's a good plan or not, he doesn't want to do it. Um, I know that there was uh, there's a funny if I can equate this basically in two pages into a comic. I was recently reading Christopher Cantwell's Doctor Doom uh, run from this previous year, and in issue nine, there's this great two page like nine panel layout between it's basically it's a conversation between Doom, who's on the moon, and Reed Richards, who is basically uh, on Earth, kind of almost like talking to him, and <laughs> the back and forth, they're saying the same thing, but neither one of them want to actually admit that they are right. So they're like dance. It's like, it's like looking at two brothers fight each other. And I think when it comes down to it, Victor, if he didn't have this like almost inherent hate for Reed, he might be able to just full on be a complete hero. I think his, his, that and I guess his ego as well. If he could put his ego aside and kind of put his hatred towards Reed away, he could totally do so much good for the world. I feel like those two characters have like the ultimate type A personalities as mm -hmm. well. They're yeah. like type A plus personalities. So it's just they they don't mix too well together. <laughs> right. But it makes for really interesting comic storylines. Yes. And, and not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think this is also best seen in Infamous Iron Man, where Reed is out of the picture. This is after Secret Wars, where he, uh, Valeria, Franklin, and Sue all went off into the universe to create new galaxies. And um, Doctor Doom was left to his devices on Earth after Secret Wars, after he had become literally a god. He decided to turn a new leaf and become Iron Man. And he was legit good. There wasn't any like ulterior motives in that storyline. Not like in Triumph and Torment where he's basically using Doctor Strange to get what he wants. He was legit trying to be a good guy. And it was because he didn't have Reed there to compete with. And he set his ego aside. So. Yeah, I that storyline's so good. And we're mm -hmm. going to go super in depth about it because it was probably it might have been my favorite storyline that I read in prep for. Oh, gosh. The yeah. Podcast. So. Yep. So we're definitely going to talk in depth about that one. So for Victor Von Doom, let's talk a little bit about his origin. So he was born to Romani nomad parents in the European nation of Latveria. Driven to better her people and defy the cruel Baron and his endless persecution, Victor's mother Cynthia practices forbidden magics. The best intentions lead to horrific results as Cynthia solidifies a deal with the demon slash devil Mephisto to trade her soul for the power to defeat the Baron and his men and free her people. And depending on really which origin you're reading, that her her level of understanding of what she was really doing changes. And I think in what was it, Triumph and Torment, mm -hmm. it's it's like she's blindsided by it. She has no clue. Yeah. Whereas a few of the others, she she knows a little bit more of what she's doing and she's a little bit uh, more corrupt than other storylines, I would say. Yeah, well, so in Books of Doom, I know I know in the uh, in Books of Doom, she doesn't know that her powers will kill all of the children of that town, correct? Yes. No. And then and then in the annual, do they go... I'm trying to remember, in, in Fantastic Four Annual Number 2, that original origin of Doctor Doom, does she does she know, or is she corrupted, like you said? I, I, I don't think she knows that okay. either. Okay, yeah. 
there's there's one storyline where she has been practicing the arts for longer because in I think in both of those storylines it's really abrupt. She she realizes that she has this power mm-hmm. um, and she's studying it, but it's only for a very short period of time, and then she gets tricked into um, taking this power and in, in trade for her soul. Mm-hmm. But then not knowing that she doesn't have control over the power she was given, and so Correct. that's what causes all of those children to to die at that during that night and then clearly she doesn't know because she immediately um gives up that power because mm-hmm. she's like i don't want to have anything to do with this and then it res- results in her her death right one of the guards from the baron that she's attacked um is still alive and she kills him yep or he kills, he her. kills her yeah yeah uh and basically when she's dying in the woods her her husband uh werner von doom or it's probably Werner. Werner, yeah. Uh, Von Doom is is holding her, and she basically says, "Don't let Victor anywhere near magic." Foreshadowing. Like, Don't do it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and probably for good reason. Right. Uh, but essentially, she she dies, and it her soul is taken to hell, which is this motivating factor for Victor mm-hmm. when he starts to discover magics because he's. He's trying to figure out a way to save his mother from hell. That's like his main goal early on in his life. Every Midsummer's Eve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so for Victor, they realize that he is hyper intelligent as a young child. So he's, he's having conversations with adults and making them look unbelievably dumb just being this very young child. And so everyone kind of in their, their uh, group is very aware of him and is also terrified of him at the same time because they the other the other people are talking poorly about his mother and he basically calls them out yeah. and he's like I'll I'll take you out like I will learn what I need to learn and I will destroy you if you talk bad about my mother yeah they they <laughs> show that really the, all, <laughs> they show that really mm-hmm. well in books of doom <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it kind of makes sense that that doom has a lot of mommy issues like <laughs> that is the root of this that is the root of everything yeah. everything that victor von doom has become i had no idea it's all because of <laughs> cynthia von doom it's all of her yep. and and that's mm-hmm. uh, and that essentially brings us into uh what might and again not to get too ahead of ourselves but that is the catalyst of triumph and torment like that that is mm-hmm. basically uh, after their little tournament victor he basically tries to get doctor strange to the only other sorcerer the officially the sorcerer supreme in that storyline um he he inherits the help of dr strange and that's the only person that can go and help him take on mephisto which if i can say really quickly as well don't ever take a deal from mephisto i mean yeah no don't do it just it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what it is it will end badly for you always yeah You don't think you should trust a, a giant guy that is just all red right. and like flames around him. Just don't trust that guy. Right. So after, after those events and uh, they bury his mother, Victor actually discovers her magical relics and materials and starts to study, realizing that he has a very natural understanding of magical properties and their essence. And he strives to, figure out a way to one help his people and to save his mother but eventually he's realizing that magic alone won't do that and he discovers he also with his brilliance is 
has a very good understanding of technology. And even with the limited resources they have as this nomad group of people, he's still able to find bits of technology and build these amazing things to the point where the U.S. government finds out what he's doing, shows up and says, hey, do you want to come study in the States? And due to events that recently occurred uh, in in kind of their group, he willingly goes with them in order to progress his understanding of technology and, and further his goal to save his mother. It was basically, it was, was it Valeria leaving? So his first love eventually leaves the, the group of people. And he's so distraught that when the, when the person from the U S military comes in, he's like, I need to just get out of here for a bit and learn. I need to, I need to learn more so that when I come back, my people will be better off. Was it Valeria leaving? Is that what it was? And there was also, he, he had nearly uh, strangled or he did. He strangled one of the Baron's men. That's right. um, That's right. To death. And so it, it scared him because he didn't know he had that in him Mm -hmm. because he literally just stares into this soldier's eyes until there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting for him because he talks about when he's in the States after he comes back, that that event doesn't bother him. That he he talks about, I think it, it says in a way something to the effect of I like I sleep perfectly fine, like knowing what I did to that individual. <laughs> but also those those soldiers were persecuting those people and stealing everything they had. Mm-hmm. And so even though obviously we don't we don't condone murder, there's clearly a lot of motivations that weren't just purely for like that singular event. That was significant oppression that he was feeling and he's also has all these different elements of him that are corruptible and he was very young when he did it too and kind of fighting for his life at the same moment so it's just kind of was a series of events that caused him to do something that he kind of lost control in that moment and then that led him to kind of wanting to get away from what he had done yeah and so i feel like leaving for the states he was able to separate himself from that event enough where he kind of became even colder and closed off from his emotions and just kind of moved forward yeah you could you could make an argument that that moment actually again once again solidified the personality of victor and his his way of making these harsh decisions you know potentially dangerous or violent uh if it means that the greater good is achieved in his eyes and you see that a lot going forward that he's willing to make the hard decision if he feels like it's the best decision. And so while he's brought to the U.S., he's given scholarships to go to the university. But his main thing, reason he's there is to develop technologies for the government. Mm-hmm. There's, there, and we'll talk about more of that in just a second. But for him, that this moment when he's going to the university, this is where he meets Reed Richards and and Ben Grimm, mm-hmm. and he thinks Ben Grimm is this oaf of an individual and can't <laughs> stand him at all. The football star uh, Ben Grimm, it, yeah, he's- mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he he acknowledges the intelligence of Reed, but one never wants his assistance with anything. Still thinks that intellectually he is superior to Reed Richards, and and that even at times when Reed tries to help him. Victor is just like, no, I, I, when I need your help, I'll ask for it. Right. But he's like, basically, I'll never ask for it. 
I think the, so the, the change also with Victor's idea of intelligence and Reed's idea of intelligence and, and what they strive for, Doom inherently hates Reed because Reed's view on it is exploration and learning new things, whereas Doom wants to learn things to get stuff done, like to, to better uh, the world. Where, so you've got Reed looking to the stars and you have Doom wanting to better the world or at least shape it in his way that he thinks is better. And he hates that optimism yeah, and read. Absolutely. I, I feel like in, in so many ways, I, I find myself siding with dooms <laughs> and so his, his, un, his explanation and un, trying to describe his reasoning for things always makes perfect sense to me, which is kind of scary mm-hmm. that I'm like, yeah, Dr. Dr. Doom makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Where at, cause I, I understand the whole, the concept of wanting to accomplish something for an end goal rather than it being, let's do this to discover this other thing or just trying to understand this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, I let's, let's do things to get things done. There's cause in with Victor's experience, it's there's people that are in desperate need of help. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are not in the situations that majority of people that are attending a university are. And so his understanding of these downtrodden individuals is far superior than, than a Reed Richards. And I think that's something that Victor holds against him. It's like you, he sees Reed and he's like, you, you don't understand right. these certain struggles. He, I think he also kind of, he, in books of doom, when he first shows up at empire state university, he basically uses Reed as like a mascot for Americans as a whole. Like he hates <laughs> the the college life and what it's like to be at that university so he pretty much sticks to himself pretty much the entire time and the uh, basically reed is like the figurehead of all of that a lot of that hate that he has for americans and and the way that they approach knowledge uh is basically all cast right into his thought of reed so while at the university at this time uh, victor is has zero interest in social gatherings he's very much focused on developing this machine that he's been working on to in order to pass into the realm where his mother's soul is in order to save her and during one of these nights where he's trying to cross over and save his mother the machine works and he is able to come face to face with mephisto for the first time and is terrified one because i don't think he understood what he was really getting into and then also seeing his mother and she's begging Mephisto to not essentially destroy Victor. And during that entire experience, the machine explodes and we're supposed to believe that Victor has been horribly disfigured in, in this event as well. And so this is where you start to see just wrappings around his head and you never really see his face again in majority of storylines. Mm-hmm. And as a result of this explosion, Victor is expelled from school, but of course, that's not real, really the main reason he was there anyway. And so the government's like, yeah, we, we don't care that you were expelled. You're still going to develop technologies for us. And Victor just kind of isn't about it anymore. And so he burns down that entire <laughs> lab and is like, I'm out. I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. So he just leaves. And basically the rest of his storyline is he he now knows who has his mother and that his technology 
he he's on to something as far as being able to access that realm. And he also believes that Reed is the reason why the machine failed because he saw him in their room or in Victor's room looking at notes and was around the machine. And so he believes that uh, that Reed had messed with it because Reed ends up working for the military as well, which Victor sees on a television set when he's back home. He's like, wait a minute. So my machine that I'm, I'm the superior being, I'm super intelligent. My machine wouldn't explode unless somebody messed with it. This guy definitely messed with it so that he could get the contract from the government. And so there's that's partly where that just root of anger and hatred towards Reed comes from on top of everything else we already talked about. Mm-hmm. But that that's essentially there's tons more of development for him as a character in developing magic. But that's essentially the essence of where he comes from, because he goes back home and he travels to the Himalayas and he finds this uh, group of people that are also practicing and combining technology and magic and he's so well versed in it that eventually they start calling him master Mm -hmm. and then you see him gaining power and he builds his suit and then he becomes the king of latveria so (laughs) his is literally a rags to i don't want to say riches but he becomes a king and his his trajectory is astronomical and it just kind of keeps going up from there because like chris mentioned earlier he literally became a god yeah at one point (laughs) the will of doom cannot be stopped once he sets his mind on something which you'll see once we start talking about some reading material he can do literally anything he wants however and we'll get into this later as well once he gets it how does he how does he deal with it and that's kind of like the ultimate bylaw when it comes to dr doom he's a lot of time in his own way He's his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we'll go through a couple of stats. Uh, like we said, his uh, sort of real name is Victor Von Doom. He's also been known as the Master, the Invincible Man, uh, Vincent Vaughn, which was, was an alias, uh, Hans, <laughs> and the infamous Iron Man. But that was more of just an editorial nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, his powers and abilities. So we'll kind of break these down. He has mystical blasts. Oh, actually, he has you know mystical. What? I'm, I'm sorry. I meant to say as well. Go ahead. Valeria calls him uncle. Oh, uh, yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> which, Uncle Doom or Uncle Victor? Uncle Vic, you know, one of those. I, yeah. That, I just love that. I, I, I can't, I cannot stress enough that I love that Reed and Sue and, and even, I would say even Johnny and uh, Ben, they all have this extreme hatred for, for Doom, yet Doom has this inherent, like, affection for Franklin and Valeria. It's so interesting <laughs> and funny. It's a good relationship that kind of grounds him a lot, I think. Um, and, and what I like about Doom is he doesn't start off with any like inherent abilities. He he, he wasn't hit with cosmic rays. He wasn't, you know, he, he just he sort of builds his power through amassing artifacts and knowledge. And, you know, he gets to this point. He makes this he makes his armor sort of like a, a dark contrast to, to uh, Tony Stark. You know, he, he he sort of builds to that point from nothing like he doesn't get bit by a spider <laughs> like it's, it's it's not just this random happenstance like he has to work for every single thing um he gets so and, and so this this list of powers and abilities i mean there's a lot of stuff here but everything you know that uh you know he any, anything that's mystical is stuff that he's learned through studying me being a sorcerer in the mystic arts and, and everything like that and everything that's built into a suit that's 
techno uh, oriented that's like technomancy and whatnot is uh is stuff, stuff that he's built uh, you know along the years so um forest fields blasts both in mystical in nature uh he has the power to invoke entities spell casting spell reversing summoning um dimensional travel you know let's just throw that out there uh mystical ensnaring portals healing uh, banishment it sounds like a, a like a D, you know six level caster here um <laughs> time travel so th- th- I, that's not just like inherently at will but i think it's like he's he's been able to build devices and you know harness you know beings and stuff like that that can help with that um power absorption and elemental manipulation just to name a few now it kind of th- that's a that's a lot nice little list there kind of going more in depth to it um you know he has not only strong super strong willpower and determination as we've said but you know he he's worked with other groups like lance mentioned the tibetan monks so you know he he's kind of um dulled his pain receptors and like when when they they created this this armor for him they were like well let's 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 put this armor on you. And he was like, just put it on when it's hot. Like he wanted it to basically uh, destroy him. And um, I meant to say, did we mention the, I meant to say, did we mention the scar? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I know whenever the explosion happened at empire state rumor is, and I don't know if this is in a story or not, but apparently it was just a small scar on his face. Yeah. And it wasn't until oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'll, okay, I'll okay. hold off then. We'll, we'll save the scar thing. Cause I, I love the, the whole, like, it's amazing. It's uh, so yes, good. Yes, when I was is. doing yeah, yeah, research okay. for it, so good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay, good. We'll save that for the, for when we talk about the comics. Okay. But what, what are, what other thoughts do you guys have about just powers real quick? Um, any, anything that like stood out? I mean, like I, there's a lot of stuff that's built into his, his, outfit obviously like with you know force blasts and things that he can control and the the suit adds like 250 pounds to his weight so it's you know made out of just like this super strong material and i mean would doom doom would still be super powerful without his suit but the suit is like the the technology and like his mysticism and control of the mystic arts and whatnot uh is a whole nother side of his power so but what what is what is your favorite power out of everything that he could do for both of you well i wanted to ask really quickly because i think this is a question that a lot of people have and something that i actually don't know myself is his metal or is that cover his entire body or is that something that he kind of like slips into is there like a bottom half a top half like what is that <laughs> in i'm trying to remember which storyline it was in i think it was in books of doom when they're actually building it when it's all separated it it is in sections Mm -hmm. but it looks like everything is connected where there's if there's any space it's minimal Mm -hmm. between his body it's majority of his body though there's chest piece there's there's everything sure yeah okay yeah i mean i (laughs) i think (laughs) this okay so i don't know why this popped in my head um and i know again we're gonna get to it but uh one of my favorite images in all doom books and, and of all time my, my favorite event of all time is secret wars the john and jonathan hickman isan ribbick story from back in i want to say 2015 or 16 um actually 2016 and there's a an altercation between doom and thanos and this is when doom already has his godship he is very much in control of this universe yet thanos being thanos still challenges him without the gauntlet without anything and Doom gets, he's very calmly talking to him. And all of a sudden, Doom just goes right 
to the center of Thanos and grabs him and pulls his spine and his skull out of his body. And that right there, <laughs> yes. if that is not the most doom move of all time, he takes one of the most powerful yeah. beings in the entire universe and just like strips them like a fish like that. That is doom at its core. Yeah. Power move. I, I love any moment in, in all of these stories. And, and I was also reading like greatest feats of, Doctor Doom in all history of comics. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where characters like like Ben Grimm, so like the thing or Hulk are trying to physically assault Doom and Doom is just like will catch their their arm with the hand or they'll hit yeah. his armor. Like I think at one point Hulk punches him in the face and all it does is it leaves like a tiny tiny dent <laughs> in his armor. And then he's just like was that it? Is, is that all you have? Yeah. Just like his mentality, <laughs> I feel like is his greatest power because he doesn't get flustered even going up against the strongest characters in, in all of Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't impress him. He is not impressed by anyone because he's hyper intelligent. He's developed uh, a way of combating the strongest of characters in the universe. Yeah. And I, I think even in those moments where he might be bested by someone, he he's not necessarily angry. He's just like, this is his reaction. Huh? Yep. <laughs> That's it. He's intrigued. And then he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, okay. So I'm going to change this one thing and get like way stronger Yep. because he is a scientist. It's yeah. trial and error. He sees one error and he's like, Oh, this is how I'm going to fix that. Mm-hmm. And then he does it. So, I know some of you might be listening to this and thinking like, okay, well, that's great and all, but how does he go to the bathroom? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like it's it's Brody from Mallrats. Like, wait, how does Doom? So I, as during my research, I'm like, okay, well, let's find out more about the armor. And it says the armor is self-supporting, equipped with internal stores for recycling systems for food, air, water, and energy. So basically, the suit is basically taking care of him <laughs> allowing doom to survive lengthy uh, periods in all sorts of environments he can be underwater he can be in outer space uh he basically just goes to the bathroom and it sort of recycles it and so the next time not suit <laughs> the next time you yeah. see a cool picture of doom with like his face on his fist on a throne he's probably <laughs> taking a crap <laughs> it's, just, it's just being <laughs> recycled on um doom but, recycle but uh even, yeah, Doom Cycle. Tales of the King. <laughs> Even without his armor, uh, he's still been known to have an amazing hand-to-hand combat. Um, once even killing an endangered lion with a single punch. Just boom, <laughs> dead, you know. And we talked about the Thanos thing too. So um because he just he just wanted to punch a lion and kill it. So well, I want to say formidable in lots of different ways. In the Christopher Cantwell Doctor Doom storyline as well, he could be seen riding a bear at one point. So there is no feat that Dr. Doom cannot reach. Maybe he's, he's, he could talk to animals. He's like a, he's like a Dr. Doom little (laughs) Dr. Doom little. That is a story. Somebody get on the horn with CB and tell him we need this. We need this 12 issue mini. Um, Okay. So, uh, oh, and um, so let's talk about jobs. So Doom, his sort of occupational job, besides being a scientist, a monarch of Laveria, a sorcerer, he's a baron of Hassan, a scientist, a genius level intellect, an adventurer of his own sorts, and um, 
<laughs> excuse the reference, but he has diplomatic immunity, <laughs> which means he can pretty much do what he wants in other countries and not get charged or, you know, uh, criminally um, prosecuted for that. Well, I also want to point out as well that he is not actually a doctor because as we spoke about yes. before at Empire State, he, not a doctor. he was not able to finish his degree. So he obviously, the the, the moniker, the monarch of, of Dr. Doom is completely self-imposed. That is completely given mm-hmm. by Victor himself. <laughs> yeah, It should be spelled he, E-R, not O-R. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his affiliations include the uh, Parliament of Doom, uh, the Sephiro clan, which is the Romani clan native to Laveria, Latveria, uh, the Order of Tibetan Monks that, men, that uh, Lance mentioned earlier, which are sort of like techno-magician monks. Um, uh, now, this, this next section I did not finish, but um, so I might need some help. So supporting characters, um, we have Valeria, who is kind of like former lover and then valeria who he got to name um which is sort of like um ne- is it niece i mean like what, can, what, can, what i was gonna say can we talk about this really quickly because this has to be yeah. one of if not the coolest thing about the relationship between fa- the fantastic four and victor okay so in this storyline it was during i want to say it was like in the mid it was like fantastic four 100 and something um it's it was written by christopher Claremont, if I'm not mistaken. And basically Mm. what you have is you have Mr. Fantastic and Ben and Johnny Storm all off on another realm. And Sue um, was obviously pregnant and she was calling in Bruce Banner and, you know, Dr. Strange, all of these different people, um, Michael Morbius, uh, Otto Octavius, all these different people to help her figure out a way. Cause she was, she was experiencing trouble, really, a really troubling pregnancy, pregnancy. So, uh, she's calling all these people in. No one has any idea what to do. So they have to call on the one guy that generally has the answer, Victor Von Doom. And Victor agrees to help, but his only, his only uh, requirement of this is that he gets to name the child when it's born. Of course, it's, a, <laughs> so weird. it's a successful birth, and he gets to yeah. name Reed and Sue's daughter, Valeria, after his firstborn. And obviously, this is not he didn't do this out of the kindness out of his own heart. Um, I have a little note here. It says that uh, holding the newborn in his arms, he took the opportunity to weave an enchantment, turning Valeria into familiar, enabling him to see through her, through her eyes and use her as a focus of, for the spell casting. And also another little fun fact is that Valeria's first words was doom. It's hmm. amazing. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, uh, with his like, supporting characters, we're, we're not talking about antagonists or villains that he's defeated, but like basically what I'm talking about is people that are kind of support characters for him. Who would you say would be like supporting characters, not not counting antagonist heroes or, or things like that, like people in his life? Well, I definitely want to include Boris, his longtime aide. Uh, he is pretty, I, I know in Fantastic Four Annual Number Two, this is a very Boris centric story where he's almost kind of telling the story of Victor. Um, he, he's been with the family for a long time. He was part of the nomad group that Victor eventually helped save. Um, obviously you have Cynthia, you have his, his mother who, uh, he's often trying to save from Mephisto down in hell. Uh, you have victorious, like we talked about Zora, who is actually from a rival country that, uh, Latveria is often at odds with. Uh, she actually is like the, considered like the savior of Latveria, which is very interesting. 
And I, here's the thing that I'm curious about, and this is obviously another conversation that we can have later on, but in June, when Fantastic Four number 44 comes out, the Dan Slott uh, wedding of Doom, uh, Victorious is much younger than Doom. And I know at one point, especially, again, I keep referring to it, but I just read it and I loved it. Christopher Cantwell's run on Dr. Doom, he he refers to Victorious as like his as like the daughter he never had. So I would find it really hmm. odd that he would end up marrying her. So I think this might be a diversion of some sort, because if you look at the Mark Brooks cover that they keep promoting this run for in this huge event, her face is covered. So yeah. I'm wondering if this is all just a big misdirect. So yeah. Uh, Lance, this did you, did you have Marvel's? Well, I was going to say, is this going to end up being Marvel's version of the whole Batman Catwoman wedding mm-hmm. that doesn't happen? That's yep. like leading up to it. And so there, cause I know so many people that were so excited for that comic and bought like, e- like pre-ordered every variant. They're like, Batman's getting married to Catwoman. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. And so everyone's just like, I'm burning every issue of this book. <laughs> so I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a diversion for something else. Cause the, I don't, I don't think they're going to have the, doom get married. The end of fantastic four 44 is going to be just victorious and Victor jumping off the roof individually just like they did in uh batman number 50 <laughs> yep <laughs> oh comics. Awesome. yeah comics uh well so he has had many antagonists and we basically just can say almost everybody in the <laughs> marvel universe yeah. um in their own way but specifically arch enemy of fantastic four and reed richards uh the avengers black panther thor silver surfer hulk x-men doctor strange spider-man iron man just to name a few uh, but I also wanted to c- kind of include the villains that he's defeated, not only allied himself with, but he has defeated <laughs> Kang, Purple Man, Magneto, all of the zombie Avengers, uh, Galactus, Mephisto, Thanos. And th- the fun one I threw in here was Kiss. There was a <laughs> there was a, <laughs> t- t- a sort of an issue, with, you know, in the 80s, they did a lot of stuff with rock stars. And so for some reason, Kiss has superpowers. And Doom goes to see Kiss and he's trying to extract their power. And um, so, yeah, he's defeated Kiss. So, well, Kiss does have a demon. So, I mean, there you go. I think in an Amalgam comic, I, I, I want to say Victor also defeated Superman at one point, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you guys remember that comic. So, yeah. So, in the Amalgam comics, uh, he merges with uh, Doomsday. So he's yeah. Dr. Doomsday. Dr. Doomsday. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so good. Yes. So he he's literally just this. He just looks like a doomsday. But then he basically has the like the green cloak on him. That's pretty much all they did for that character. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Doomsday. <laughs> so good. I, I do want to point out. So um, with Purple Man, the way he defeats him, he literally. So Purple Man's whole thing is he pushes his will on other people and makes them do things and so it's that and then he just basically tells people what to do and then doom literally beats purple man by imposing his will on purple man (laughs) and so it's just like the most so doom basically takes what this character is and trumps him yep he's like no you're gonna do this and he does it so (laughs) don't want to mess with Doom. all right so yeah, so we've kind of covered all of those aspects of the Doom. So let's actually go into the archives. 
Normally with Into the Archives, we do a deep dive into the creators of the character. But we've already covered Stan Lee in our Spider-Man issue and Jack Kirby with Black Panther. So if you want to hear more in-depth explanations about them and their careers early on, go ahead and check out both these Spider-Man and Black Panther issues. But for this Into the Archives, we thought it would be interesting to go over a little bit about what it was like during the time that Doctor Doom was being developed. So in Stanley's book, Bring on the Bad Guys, which is just an amazing title. I have honestly, that book. I have for, it. You do? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. It's basically the origin of every I'm... major villain at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it came out in 1976. And uh, Lee describes how Kirby and he were trying to develop a, and I quote, a soul-stirring, super sensational new villain for the Fantastic Four. It's very Stanley-like. Lee created uh huh exactly the the alliteration that sounds exactly like him (laughs) lee created the name dr doom based on uh being and i quote eloquent in its simplicity and magnificent in its implied menace again with the alliterations (laughs) kirby would take inspiration from death itself when designing doom this next bit of information is probably the most metal thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) Doom's armor represents Death's skeleton. In Arlen Schumer's book, The Silver Age of Comic Book Art, Kirby is quoted as saying, It was the reason for the armor and the hood. Death is connected with armor and inhuman-like steel. Death is something without mercy, and human flesh contains that mercy. Holy crap. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) So they wanted to remove all essence of humanity from the character. And so it was just that metal skeleton frame that they wanted to use for doom to literally show that you have no chance. There is no leniency. There is no mercy because he is literally the embodiment of death for during that period of time in the comics and pretty much now too. mission accomplished. Yeah, they did it. Congrats. Kirby would also describe Doom as being paranoid and a perfectionist, which is shown in in the 1970s. Kirby would reveal the assumed horrifically disfigured face of Doom was actually a slight scar on his cheek. Mm -hmm. Additionally, in the Silver Age of comic book art, Kirby was quoted as uh, saying, due to this slight imperfection, Doom hides his face not from the world, but from himself. So he, it, when we think of Doom, we think of this horrifically disfigured character and how he's trying to hide his face because it's just so messed up. And he doesn't want to see people's reactions. But in reality, it's it's a tiny scar mm-hmm. on his cheek. He just but did it, a little plastic surgery. I mean, it was just like a little <laughs> thing down the side uh-huh. of his face. Yeah. It, but it's that the fact that he, because there's any kind of imperfection with him, period, he feels like there's a, a superiority shift. And so that's part of that motivation to constantly show his superiority over others through intelligence, through feats of strength, through uh, just feats in general of being acknowledged and becoming a king. And so it's all his motivation for that. And and certain comics show the disfigurement way more than others. So mm-hmm. with for Kirby, they basically say it's a scar on the cheek for other storylines that we've seen since then. It is some significant disfigurement, which is really interesting to see in the books and and something of a shock value. But I feel like the fact that someone that is motivated to do all of these insanely like 
creative and intellectual and hauntingly horrifying feats being motivated just by a little scar on the cheek is actually way more terrifying than having someone that actually has a disfigurement to that extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this this really, this really speaks to Victor's ego and his vanity that is so important to him. You know, someone who is so incredibly intelligent, you think the last thing that they would think about is the way they look. However, doom sees this, the majority of his power comes from the will that he pushes on. Like we just talked about the, the presence that he is, that's a, a big factor in his power. So if he at all see, seems, uh, I think this is kind of explored a little bit in books of doom where he has like a slight moment of like reprieve. And he's kind of like, kind of let's kind of let's loose one night at a party. And he sees this girl like comes up and kisses him and He's so taken aback by it that his his reaction is like to go and strangle her. And of course, this gets covered up by the government and he uh, continues to, to be at Empire State. This is obviously before the explosion that eventually scars his face. But um, the the toxic the toxic masculinity that that doom has had yeah. over the years yeah. is, you know, a major part of the reason why it's, it's the main thing that pushes him forward after all of that information that we get from the creators in this period of time. Dr. Doom makes his debut in Fantastic Four number five in July of 1962. And interestingly enough, he wouldn't, because they were so rushed to publish the comic, he didn't receive an origin. He didn't have his origin story until Fantastic Four annual number two in September of 1964. So we're going to move on to the pull list where we're going to be talking about essential runs and storylines recommending this is me for Dr. Rubbing Doom. my hands together. So I'm now I'm going to be completely <laughs> forthcoming and honest here and say that due to some personal events, I did not have a lot of time to do my normal amount of reading and research. So I'm com- coming into this sort of as a listener and just wanting to know what are some good recommendations for first time doom reader? Like, you know, I feel like I'm one of those people that like I've seen some of the movies I've seen them in comics. I've seen them stuff like that, but I haven't really delved into good storylines with, with doom. So, so I'm going to rely mostly on you guys to, to tell me uh, like, what, what are the, what are the good storylines? What happens in like these essential storylines that, that we've, some of which we've mentioned already, but um, oh, don't you worry. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Don't you worry. I know we're going to get don't into worry, them. Chris. So. <laughs> Lance and I have got you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris. I'll have I'll have you start. What's what's your number one go to if someone's going to try and start learning about Doom? Okay, so this is a tough question because while I feel like the the initial answer is very obvious, uh, there are a couple that are very close in the running. But my number one, we've talked about it constantly: Books of Doom. I think our book of doom, excuse me, singular, uh, it's one book and this written by Ed Brubaker, illustrated by Pablo Raman. I'm not, I'm sure how to say that. How, how would you say that there? Raimondi. Raimondi. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, uh, this is, uh, the definitive origin story. I want to say, I know we just talked about fantastic four annual number two, uh, it is briefly touched on talking about Cynthia and Werner and, and basically how Victor became who he is today. But Books of Doom just takes that and goes much more in depth and gives you a lot more of the reasons behind why Dr. Doom is the way that he is. So if someone was coming to me and says, I need to read a really good Dr. Doom story that really explains the character 
Well, Book of Doom is the answer. I loved the ending mm-hmm. to Book of Doom because the the whole storyline, I won't spoil it, but there's this whole structure to the series or to that that book that's about there's interview there's an interview going on about doom and who he is as a character and his origin and just kind of the twist you have on the very last panel of the book of of what goes on with that yeah is so good and so fitting <laughs> for the character yep. so i won't spoil it because it's something you need to experience for yourself if you have don't know about it or haven't read it so but book of doom amazing that one might be a little harder to find to too. Uh, if if you're in the know in the know, Book of Doom was a very limited print run for the trade, and if you were to look up, mm. I've wanted it. I want the trade. I I personally don't own it. I I read it electronically. The book goes on eBay for close to a hundred dollars. The trade paperback. So wow. good luck finding it. Hopefully they put it back in print here soon. Of course, at some point the MCU is going to introduce Victor into the universe, and hopefully they'll start reprinting all that stuff as Marvel does. Yeah. Now is it is it Book of Doom or Books of Doom? Is it books? Am I am I? Is, I think it actually is plural. I think you're correct. I, I think I and I my lizard brain was saying books, and then I had it written wrong in my notes. So it is it is Books of Doom. So Lance, what about you? What is your what's your definitive story? As far as, so I think if we're talking about the most well rounded origin to dive, I I think you hit it on the head. I think it's Books of Doom. But I really enjoyed uh, Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment, mm-hmm. which came out in July of 1989. So it was written by Roger Stern and uh, art by Mike Nola, who Chris is a massive fan of. Mm-hmm. I love uh, that. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw that, reason. I was like, oh, I definitely want to check that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- again, we get we get another origin for Victor and his family. And it actually goes a little bit more into his time with the monks and developing that understanding of of mat- the magics that he's going to be learning and then you get this amazing storyline with uh, all of the magic casters are brought for this tournament essentially to declare who is the sorcerer supreme and all of these people including Dr. Strange are there. And then all of a sudden you just hear this or you don't hear it, but I guess the book makes you hear it (laughs) by the sound effects, but there's just this plane, which of course doom design that arrives and he shows up and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, that's doom. Oh, that's doom over there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And and there's all these whispers. And then there's just like, yep, here's this tournament. Uh, Here's this task that you all have to do. Uh, Go for it. And whoever wins is sorcerer Supreme. And you're going to be given this uh, amazing bounty and so it just starts and all of the these sorcerers are trying to the the goal is to uh, recover one certain character from this um encasing but it's a magical barrier and so everyone's shooting stuff at it and then it just ricochets right back at them and essentially turns them into magical zombie type creatures (laughs) and they turn on each other and so it's basically just Doom and Doctor Strange at the end working together. And, of course, the most Doom thing possible is Doom betray- – it looks like Doom betrays Doctor Strange at one point. But then it's this whole ploy uh, to really get the job done in the end. But Doctor Strange comes out victorious. But then uh, the bounty that gets won is that Doctor Strange has to give whatever – 
that basically whoever came in second. And then Doctor Doom is able to request one thing, anything he wants from Doctor Strange. <laughs> and his request is to make Doctor Strange help him save his mother. Yeah. And yep. so you get Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom versus Mephisto. Yeah, they go down to hell. Yep. So if that's not reason enough to read the storyline, including yep. amazing art, like you need you need to read the it. book is it's beautiful. So I mean, Magnolia so absolutely knocks it out of the park. Roger Stern has a great voice for both Doom and Steven and Mephisto even. And uh, again, no spoilers, of course, but the ending there um, is very, very Doctor Doom. I think it's like mm-hmm. if you get through all if you get all the way through Triumph and Torment, that ending and what happens with Cynthia and and Victor and Steven is a great parallel to who Dr. Doom actually is. So highly recommend as well. Triumph and Torment. That is like I think if Books of Doom is the definitive intro, your next book should be Triumph and Torment. Absolutely. Nice. I have one that this is not one I can recommend because I read it, but just because it looked really cool. And I was like, oh, this is this sounds like an interesting classic Marvel story, uh, which was Emperor Doom, uh, which is the 1987 storyline. Uh, I believe it's a collected edition. And essentially the, the tagline is, which makes me really want to read it, which is Doom takes over the world successfully through mind control <laughs> and the world is better because of it. Everyone is just like, yep, that's great. We're, we're doing well, but wonder man from the Avengers and some remaining Avengers are able to snap out of it. And they have to kind of, they decide to stop him, but they have to stop and kind of wrestle with the idea. What if it were better off the way we are? Like, is the loss of free will worth peace? Like if we stop him, we're going to, we're going to lose all this world peace that we've had. Um, it's written by, David Michelin and the art is by Bob Hall. I would definitely, I'm looking forward to checking that out, at least skimming through it, if not reading it. Um, but it sounds, it sounds pretty cool. I'd actually like to check that one out too. I've never, I actually, I'd never, I hadn't heard of that storyline. So that does sound good. And, and once again, as we've said, that right there is all doom, you know, bend the knee and yeah. you'll, your life will be better. You know, it doesn't, your, your free will is not important here. Safety, Freedom, the free or the the ability to live healthy with uh, a country that thrives and and all that that can happen. You just have to know in your heart that doom is all. Yeah, and I, I found a quote. There's a quote from that book or from that story where Doom says, "My greatest flaw, I surround myself with idiots." <laughs> <laughs> which is everyone okay. to victor this is everyone who's everyone else <laughs> so i, love I also if i could really quickly i want to talk about a story that i enjoyed for uh a very interesting reason and and that's young avengers the children's crusade from back in 2010 written by alan heinberg illustrated by the always great jim chung and in the storyline you get uh wiccan and speed basically meet their mother for the first time scarlet witch uh, we've seen a lot of these three recently with WandaVision. Uh, and in this, uh, it's already been shown that the essence of the children were basically a ploy by, you won't guess it, but Mephisto, of course, <laughs> tangled in with, uh, <laughs> he basically created Wiccan and Speed, Billy and Tommy, and uh, took them back, which created, of course, the House of M storyline, No More Mutants. And uh, in the storyline, Wiccan and Speed uh, are actually just born, but they don't really know how or why. And the Young Avengers have to basically take on Doom because Doom has 
brought Scarlet Witch back to life, or I, I'm not uh, completely sure because this doesn't tie, it doesn't directly uh, happen after House of M, but pretty closely afterwards. So there's probably things that happen in between. And um, basically, Victor is, he wants to marry Wanda. And, and basically, they're, uh, according to them, in love. And uh, you eventually find out that, of course, obviously, Victor wants more than just Scarlet Witch's affection. And uh, and here's why I wanted to bring this up, okay? It's a funny, it's a, it's a great storyline. I think I want to say it's only 10, 10 to 12 issues. But reading this story was very, it was very much a 2010 story. Um, it reminded me of what it used to be like to read comics when I was a kid because everyone introduces themselves. And you know, like in the comics back in the day when they would introduce themselves, it would be like, oh, you didn't think that I would show up. And then it would show like their logo of their name. Yeah. Uh, and like <laughs> yeah. these characters should know who each of you, who each of them are. In the little yellow box. <laughs> and, and, and it's all, the whole story is very loud and very action packed. It's got... To be honest, and I'm I'm not trying to. This is not a slight towards the story. It has very little substance. It's very much a thrill ride, but it is everything that you could want from Doctor Doom, from his intentions with Scarlet Witch, to the way that he basically has all of the X Men and the Avengers after uh, Scarlet Witch. Everyone's trying to kill Scarlet Witch except for Doctor Doom, Wiccan, and Speed. And <laughs> it's just it's a it's a really great storyline. It's a it's a quick read. It's a breeze. I, I highly recommend it. Only for it's like. I would say I would equate it to like a popcorn movie. Like we recently just reviewed Mortal Kombat on the Oblivion Bar and shameless plug. I apologize. And in that we, uh, we talked about how there are just popcorn movies where you just kind of turn your brain off and enjoy it. That is the children's yeah. crusade. It is a, it, you don't have to think too hard about it. You just watch it happen. And it, I highly recommend it. No, that sounds awesome. like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I love young Avengers. So, and, and that's actually a storyline I haven't read yet. So mm-hmm. that's definitely one I'm going to mm-hmm. my next pick is probably I, I mentioned it earlier it's probably the my favorite thing i read in preparation for the podcast and that's going to be infamous iron man mm. so that came out in 2016 uh with writer brian michael bendis and artist alex Maleve. now this storyline is such a departure from doom as we know him because he he has been a god and at <laughs> like he he was in control of the universe like he was god and he in the storyline you you learn that it it just wasn't what he thought it was going to be it wasn't as fulfilling and so he is trying to figure out what he should do and how he should like change the trajectory of what he's doing with his life and it, it follows the events of civil war 2 where uh, Tony Stark has passed away, he's no longer around, and Doom is like, well, I'm going to take up the mantle of Iron Man and I'm going to actually try and do good. And there's there's a few panels that talk about why he thinks this is a good move for him, and it's it, it breaks it down to where he's like, I know where the monsters live, I've been around them, I've been the worst of them, so I know how to take them down. <laughs> And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard anyone in comics say. Yeah. And and it's true. He he was like the most terrifying villain out of all of them. And so now he's on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny in the books because all of the villains are like, he betrayed us. Like he turned on us and they all want to go against him. But there's multiple panels where he just wipes all of them out. He he 
turns them all into shield at one single time while the whole time shield's just like yeah you're under arrest he's like no i'm not nope and he just like leaves he just does whatever he wants i love in infamous iron man how he is constantly just succeeding like there's no there's no you know someone gets the best of iron man or victor von doom dr doom in the storyline it is just victor constantly winning and him showing off his intellect and showing him showing everyone that he is two steps ahead of you you know and i'm so glad that you brought up infamous iron man because this is the book that takes me back to my first days as a wednesday warrior you know going to my local comic book shop and collecting those single issues and i distinctly remember at one point seeing that that alex maleev infamous iron man number one on the shelf and i i was drawn to it you know like i i didn't know much about modern comics at that point i was a, a very much a passive fan at that point you know i loved superheroes but i wasn't like a dedicated i didn't know who brian michael bendez was or alex maleev or any of these guys i just knew i liked dr doom and i liked the cover so i bought it and and that's why and, and that forward really propelled me into i think it really helped build blocks as far as like my actual love for dr doom because before I even knew what Secret Wars was or before I even knew the long, long history of Doctor Doom, this story does a great job telling you exactly what Doctor Doom was before Secret Wars. He was a god. He succeeded. And like we, like we kind of hinted at earlier, Doctor Doom's problem has never been him succeeding. He often succeeds in his plan, whatever it is. It's what he does when he gets it. He often he self-implodes mm-hmm. a lot of the time, unfortunately. And in this, obviously, in Secret Wars, which I hope we'll touch on here soon, and I don't want to give any major spoilers, but it doesn't work out for Victor in the end. And um, ironically enough, like we talked about earlier with his face, uh, Molecule Man, when he restores the universe, he gives Victor his fresh face back. And in this storyline, he has his normal Victor face. And I think that really tells you a lot about how, like you said earlier, the scar and the imperfection really pushes him. And in this storyline, he doesn't have those scars, so he doesn't really have to push he doesn't have to prove anything in this storyline. How do I say this clearly? The dialogue in 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 uh, this comic book mm-hmm. in Infamous Iron Man is so well done. Mm-hmm. There's so many conversations that Doom has with multiple characters that just the feelings are very different depending on the relationships he's had with other characters. His conversations with Ben Grimm are some uh, genuine there's it's there's humor there it's very genuine there's humor in there mm-hmm. there's this frustration that ben has and then doom acknowledges he's like oh i totally get it yeah and i i understand your frustrations with me but i want you to know if you need me i will be there yes. and i know it's going to take you time for you to acknowledge that and understand that but it's true mm-hmm. And but like that time will come and you can rely on me. And it's things like that where he is so genuine with everyone throughout this book. He lets his guard down with like a like just a normal human and he gets injured. Mm -hmm. Like he's gone up against galactic titans (laughs) and has walked away without scars. But he gets shot by uh, by um, one of the is it scientists? Yeah. Uh, that he's working with yeah and yeah. so things like that like he does let his guard down in the storyline because he he is trusting and he's hoping people will trust him right and so th- such a great storyline it there's a you need if you haven't read it read it there's a genuine an, another really genuine great conversation between him and riri williams 
who at that point had just been introduced in Invincible Iron Man as the new Iron Heart or or you know the new Iron Person, and uh, at that she's like, you can't be Iron Man. You know, Tony would not want this. And basically, the way that Victor approaches is that he is the best man for the job, regardless of his past. And he he, he like acknowledges that Riri is a is a great person to potentially take up that mantle, but not quite yet. And uh, she eventually, again, no spoilers, she eventually somehow gets the best of him in, in one aspect or another. And uh, he acknowledges the, the genius that she has in front of her. What's, what's the next recommendation? Okay, so I wanted to briefly talk about... I have two here that I really wanted to... I'll, okay, so if I can say one here and then go on a quick tangent, are you guys okay with that? Because... Absolutely. Okay. All right. I want to bring this one up and then I want to kind of equate it to how I want Dr. Doom to be introduced into the MCU. And that is 2007's Do More. It's actually Black Panther Do More. And that one's written by Jonathan Mayberry, illustrated by Ken Lashley, Will Conrad, many, many others. This is goes Ken Lashley. So good. (laughs) It goes over many different series. It's, it's Do More, the actual run. There's, uh, comics from the actual Black Panther run. And in the storyline, Shuri has taken over the mantle of Black Panther. T'Challa is alive, but he's recovering from something. I, I don't remember exactly what it is. Do you guys know what's happening with T'Challa in the storyline? Well, well we, since we did a Black Panther episode. Okay, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> I, I do know this. <laughs> he's, he's, he's come back, but he doesn't have his power. He doesn't have the power of the heart-shaped herb, so he's like lost his powers. He actually goes back to New York and becomes uh, Daredevil for a bit. That's right. Through the Marvel Knight series. With Matt Murdock's blessing and all that stuff. So he's not actual... He's not actually Black Panther until he goes back and gets the blessings of the former Black Panthers ghosts and everything. It's it's a long story. But yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, in this storyline, basically, there is someone that keeps attacking the different higher ups in the in Wakanda and and Shuri is trying to figure out who it is. And you eventually find out that Doom has kind of orchestrated this um, uprising, kind of like this nationalistic group of people who believe that because the, the higher ups at Wakanda want to share their technology. We've seen this in mm-hmm. the movies a little bit with um, at the end, the end credit scene T'Challa says that he wants to open up the gates that um, to build bridges, not walls essentially is what he says. And in the storyline, they want to do the same thing. And what doom does is he, he takes a bunch of these extreme extremists in Wakanda and builds this like uh, uprising. And uh, what he wants, of course, as you do, why else does anybody else want to infiltrate Wakanda but to steal the vibranium there? And Doom wants the vibranium because vibranium has the ability to enhance magical powers. And uh, you ha- he eventually, uh, no spoilers majorly, but he eventually succeeds in one way or another. And the Avengers, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, everyone, all of Wakanda have to ban against Doctor Doom to beat him. That's all of the major teams in the Marvel universe having to go up against one guy. And he still he wins. Still <laughs> like he wins. still gets what he wants. <laughs> okay. So I say doom always doom wins. Is all. You just need to play the, he just needs wherever doom goes. He just needs to have the, all I do is win song yeah. playing in the background. <laughs> and there's like the DJ. Wah, 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 just behind yeah, uh-huh. him. <laughs> so, Oh gosh, I'm not going to hear that song the same way ever. <laughs> so I bring this one up because, uh, it is a good storyline, but I think that there's potential for this to be included in the MCU. And uh, listeners, if you can, let me paint this picture for you. Close your eyes and go on this journey with me if you can. Uh, so at the end of Black Panther, we obviously hear T'Challa 
say we're going to open up the borders to Wakanda. Okay. Now, as we know, unfortunately uh, and terribly, Chadwick has passed away. So the mantle of Black Panther has been opened. In one way or another, Black Panther 2 is going to come out. Probably sure is going to take over the mantle. But Wakanda will be vulnerable for a brief time. So why not in Black Panther 2, let's introduce Victor Von Doom and have him be that rivalry country that tries to infiltrate Wakanda and try to empower Latveria that way. Okay. This would also be an interesting way to maybe introduce Storm as well. Storm might be might have to band together with Wakanda and her. I'm forgetting her her actual country's name. At, at I think I think she I think it's Kenya. Okay. Yeah. So this might be a good way for for them to introduce her her and 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 then that and that storyline in Black Panther too. Um, in in the same aspect, I hope. And again, this is all pipe dream. So stick with me if you can. After the events of Black mm-hmm. Panther two. I hope that in Doctor Strange 3, Victor inherits the... There's a tournament, okay? See where I'm going here? There's a tournament for the new Sorcerer Supreme. And guess who's there? Doctor Doom. And they end up doing the Triumph and Torment storyline in Doctor Strange 3. That's my hope. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. That's my long way of saying that in Doom War, it takes a lot of people to get Victor down, okay? And he still doesn't lose. (laughs) I, I have a counterpoint to that, which is Namor mm-hmm. and the Atlanteans are going to make a play for Wakanda as sure. well. And what if during Black Panther 2, the events of Black Panther 2 is not only does Namor and the Atlanteans try to make a play, but also Doom. And so you have this three way yes. battle of nations, you know, <laughs> uh, duking I'll, it out. I'll even add something to that is the fact that namor and doom are part of the cabal and yes. so introducing both right. of them at the same time and just have their introduction and both of them just acknowledge one another as being mm-hmm. very powerful along with beings. along with emma frost and norman osborne <laughs> oh, characters that we have not seen in the mc yet so <laughs> all of this happened so yeah black panther made a billion dollars it's the fourth highest grossing marvel film of all time how do you top that dr doom Namor the Submariner. Yeah. There you go. It, 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 Doom, I mean, we're, it, uh, I, mean we're, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but like if Thanos is the big bad of the entire first, you know, Infinity Saga and the, the, the first three phases of MCU, it's got to be Doom mm-hmm. uh, as, as the big bad of, of the next one. I mean, it's either Doom, Norman Osborn, maybe, or king the conqueror i mean but but it, I, I everything everything that points to everything it, it says it's dr Dude. everyone i mean i've heard a large majority of people say that they want galactus to be the big bad but people don't know that galactus is not really a villain necessarily he's a force of nature he does only what the universe yeah. wills him to do which is eat planets he's a he, he keeps <laughs> balance in the universe and for him to have any other motives outside of just keeping that balance uh seems wrong so why not introduce a character who actually has a little bit of uh, difference? Like he does things not mm-hmm. only because he has to, but because he wants to. I, yeah. I think it'll also serve as a good dichotomy ver- from having all of these cosmic entities that are co- they're coming to Earth that are causing all these issues, whereas you literally just have a human through his own like abilities <laughs> and power and will developed all this strength in order to be a formidable foe against the entire lineup of heroes that we've come to know so far. That is 
scary. Right. And if you can do that with that, like Doom is that character you can do that with based on Earth. Once again, so, uh, as Chris said earlier, Doom is someone who was not bit by a spider. He didn't, you know, gain these powers from a light, like a ray of light. He made himself into this. And for him to do what potentially what Lance is saying here would be incredible. And it once again proves that uh, something that I'll never, ever <laughs> say otherwise, the greatest villain in comic book history. I also, I wanted to quickly talk about Secret Wars. Uh, we don't have to talk about it too much because the story is based a lot in reading previous stories and it famously pretty much stopped every title and started making everything battle world centric, uh, written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by the always great Isan Ribic. And in the storyline, Dr. Doom, what he do- does, what he does, he succeeds. He becomes a God. He wishes for, uh, you know, essentially uh, the, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the destruction of the fantastic four. He basically is married to Sue Valeria and Franklin are, are actually, I don't know if Franklin's in the story very often, uh, I think he's in it. Yeah, he's in it. Um, but Reed is basically nowhere to be found. And and what you have is the convergence of the Ultimate Universe and the normal 616 universe into one. Uh, and this was Marvel's way of essentially, one, destroying the Marvel Universe, and two, bringing Miles Morales and any other famous, uh, uh, what was the other one, the Maker, which is like the Ultimate Universe's Reed Richards, mm-hmm. bring those guys in the normal yep. universe. And uh, this is my, like I said earlier, my favorite event of all time. Because a lot of times with these events, both at Marvel DC, all the comic publishers, this is a way to just sell comics and uh, to basically stop all titles and offer a way for readers to get on. Um, And in the storyline, I think you see Doom succeed. I mean, he succeeds in what he's always wanted, which is, again, to become a god, to be all-powerful, to rule everything. And uh, it doesn't go well for him in the end. And... That is, again, another play, another parallel on what Doom does when he wins. He doesn't often know how to handle himself, and uh, that's because he's ever searching. It's, it's like those things when, when people, when they have goals, you always have to have goals. And in this instance, what goal do you have other than become a god? <laughs> so Secret Wars, I think that you can read this without reading anything else. You can go into this without reading any of the Battle World stuff, anything prior or, or afterwards. The final panel, I will say, is really interesting, and it sets up the infamous Iron Man really well. And it's basically just Doom back at his castle in Latveria, and he takes his mask off, and he's scar-free. So this kind of plays on Hickman's run. Secret Wars is kind of the culmination of his run on Avengers and on Fantastic Four. It all kind of comes together, kind of ends those stories, really, bookends it really well. And uh, like we talked about earlier, his scars, his imperfections, not just on his face, but in life, often is what drives him. And I think... Hickman and, and Ribic, what they show with Doom there at the end of the story is that he's accomplished what he wants to. And and what why does he have to be bad now? Which again, like we talked about earlier, sets up infamous Iron Man from there on. So I definitely wanted to bring up Secret Wars. Have have either one of you guys been able to read that storyline at all? No. Okay. Highly recommend. Definitely pick it up if you can. Beautiful covers by Alex Ross. And again, beautiful interiors by Yusan Ribic and and masterful writing by Jonathan Hickman. Showing that he, of course, is one of the best writers in comics. I I own a few variants of uh, issue one mm-hmm. just because part I I bought a collection of graded comics not too long ago, and in there there were just a few that were graded, 
uh, of Secret Wars number one, but they were graded by a company that's no longer grading books. Okay. And so it's really hard to find any books. It's called Vault. Okay. And so the cases are amazing. I really liked their cases, but uh-huh. they just went out of business. So there's a very few number of books that are actually graded by them. So I kept those ones and they're a few of like the harder to find variants, but yeah, I, I definitely need to read that series. Uh, the other one that I really want to bring up briefly, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one because to be honest, I don't particularly like this one. And this is going to surprise some people because a, the creative team and B it's a Marvel night story about Dr. Doom. Can you get any better? Uh, but apparently I, I just, I couldn't find the the merit in this one. And that is fantastic Four one two three four back from 2011 written by Grant Morrison illustrated by Jay Lee. Okay. And this is a four part story, which basically, uh, it, again, I don't, I'm not trying to spoil it. I don't want to go into too much detail cause it will spoil it, but, um, it's Dr. Doom taking out the fantastic four one by one. And, uh, hmm. he, he basically cures Ben of his stone, like basically just turns him back into a human. Uh, he, he six Namor onto Sue. He basically has Sue cheat on Reed <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's it, it is it's tough okay um it's definitely grant morrison and his weird insane genius brain working with the fantastic four in a very crazy way so uh this may have just been something not for me it's definitely it's one of those stories that is always being recommended by uh it's like a it's one of those dr doom you have to read it stories and fantastic four stories uh so it's one of the essentials. I just personally didn't love it. So, and I'm assuming you guys haven't read that one either. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, I would it's love a lot, to, lot to read. I was going to say, I would love for one or both of you guys to read that and let me know what you think. Let, tell me that I'm crazy. And, and also anyone listening as well, if you love that storyline, please tell me that I'm crazy and I need to give it another shot because uh, I just wasn't into it as much. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to mention one more super fast too. So there's a Superman and Spider-Man crossover. This was the second one that they did. Uh-huh. And this one was in 1981. So it was written by Jim Shooter and Marv Wolfman and art by John Bushima. Wow. And it's, yeah. So it's Dr. Doom and Parasite versus Superman and Spider-Man. And wow. uh, in, in this comic, you get to see Superman fight Hulk because Hulk has this, uh, device put into his ear that's putting like a sonic wave that's making him go crazy so it's superman fighting hulk at first you get to see wonder woman team up with spider-man as well and then you get to see dr doom using kryptonite against superman of course (laughs) all the hits and then at one point yeah and then at one point superman rips a gauntlet off of dr doom and then superman uses the gauntlet oh my gosh so it's a crazy (laughs) story so if you can find it, that's amazing, but you should read it because it's insane. So much fun. <laughs> well, I think that kind of brings us to our Grail Find segment. So do I, I don't really, if I do own a Doom comic, I don't. I don't know what it is. It might be, you might be buried in there, but um, between the two of you, what, what do you guys have um, uh, a, a grail find a essential doom comic that you own? I have mine. <laughs> Chris is literally showing us in the camera right now. Fantastic four annual two signed by Stan Lee. See this little scribble over here. <laughs> uh-huh. So I have a picture with Stan, the man from Cincinnati comic-con back in 2016 
And in the corner, you can see me holding this beautiful comic right here and this cover by Jack Kirby, which is just incredible. I mean, 72 big pages, as they say on the cover. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it, it's this giant doom and the Fantastic Four all around him. And um, this was an obvious choice when I got to meet Stan that this was the comic that I was going to take with me because, of course, this yeah. was the the thing that uh, definitely uh, the love of Doctor Doom and the love that he shared as well. Because, like, I think we I don't know if we've talked about it quite yet, but Doctor Doom is actually Stanley's favorite villain of all time and maybe one of his favorite creations that he's ever had. This was an obvious choice for me to bring and have him sign, and I was I was really happy. One of the, one of the memories that I'll never ever forget is when he when he got it whenever I put it in front of him he he didn't really say anything but his reaction was like oh like this is not a book that I often get you know because this book is not really worth much I don't think it may be now but when I had it back in 2016 it was just a, it was just a book that I had that had Dr. Doom's origin in it and the look that he had was priceless it'll be something that I'll never forget that's amazing. That that book is definitely going up once they introduce him <laughs> into the MCU, though, right. for sure. Yeah. I actually found this for free at a local comic shop just because it wasn't in the best condition, so they just put it in the free pile. Mm -hmm. But it turns out it's actually a harder book to find. So it's uh, The Amazing Spider-Man and Captain America in Doctor Doom's Revenge, and it was part of a Marvel Comics and Paragon Software collaboration. So it's wow. just this random book but huh. i love the art on the cover so you have spidey and cap versus dr doom and uh, like i oh yeah that, we're gonna talk about that when we get to video games <laughs> oh really oh sweet that's the so, video yeah. game time yeah of his yeah. first video game appearance but yeah i i picked it up just because i was like well i like dr doom's design i hadn't read much about him yet but huge fan of spider-man too so I picked it up. I went home and I just like randomly looked it up because I had never seen it before. And it was surprisingly worth a lot more than free. <laughs> so I was happy to find that one. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to also say that neither neither one of us or anyone that I know owns this comic. But if you somehow do get your hands on a Fantastic Four number five, please do before uh, he gets introduced to the MCU because this will skyrocket even higher. The highest recorded yeah. Fantastic Four number five from CGC is a 9.6. There's only 0.2% in the world, so that's probably like less than 10 copies ever. Uh, the last one went for sale back in May of 2019, and it was $390,000. So Jeez. <laughs> try, uh, try getting your hands on that if you can. I'm definitely That's one that one day I definitely want to get. And uh, like I said earlier, Books of Doom in trade paperback form is definitely another is one that I want to get. Probably not now, but when it reprints at some point. And then you want to talk a little bit about that art piece that you're going to be getting? Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, it's uh, kind of uh, – I, I have not told anyone about this purchase because a lot of people would look at me and go, why did you? Why are you doing this? And I, and I won't be tacky and talk about actual prices here, but I recently just started, per, started the purchase of a – Alex Maleev commission of Dr. Doom and uh, you guys can't see it here. I can actually post it online if, if you guys want and we can, we can share it Absolutely. on both of our Twitters, but here it is right here. It's basically, it's a, a brownish Dr. Doom holding a giant sword, very Merlin like. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited to get it. It's a 12 by 16. Alex Maleev very rarely ever does commissions, So I was lucky enough to get one and I'm so excited because like we talked about with infamous Iron Man, Maleev just does it for Dr. Doom. You know, it, 
if I'm, if I was ever, you know, again, pipe dream, if I was ever allowed to be in writing in comics and I, and I was allowed to pick any one that I wanted to write, it would be Dr. Doom with Alex and Malieve on covers and interiors. Hmm. Yeah. His, his work is phenomenal. So that, that piece, I can tell everyone listening, you're going to see it when we post it, but <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. but it's Alex Malieve. So it's expected to be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to get it. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome to our channel, The Nerd Crusade. I'm Beastie Boy. I'm Table. I'm Red. It is I, Shino Brando. We discuss topics from across the nerdiverse, from video games, anime, comics, and more. And if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at Crusade Nerd, on Instagram at Nerd Crusade, on Twitch 8pm Mountain Standard Time every single week. You can find us wherever podcasts are found by searching Nerd Crusade. And that's to be continued. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. Hey, Lance, you know, the best way to support us is leaving a rating and review. A five star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts and other podcast services. And a review about what you liked in the issue does so much more. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we love making it. And if you want to check us out on Twitter at CBKCast, use the hashtag CBKCast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments about anything we discuss in the show. We're also on Instagram at CBKCast. We're on Facebook now and you can join our Facebook group and Facebook page and ask any questions that you want there or talk about what uh, you'd like us to talk about uh, in the future. Comic Book Keepers is hosted by the Geekly Grind. Stop by the Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime, and manga to board games, video games, RPGs, and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty free music for tabletop role playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. Check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on TikTok, Twitter, and you can actually get all of his available music for free on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. All right, let's get back to the issue. The woman he loves. Discussion is pointless. He may soon be lost in the mists of time, in which case I will be rid of him, your fiery brother, and that grotesque orange brute forever. Welcome back. From the break, <laughs> um, let's talk about adaptations. So Dr. Doom being a essential Marvel villain has been in many adaptations throughout the years. 
let's go back, gentlemen. Uh, we love the MCU. I think all three of us. Uh, it's the most successful film franchise in history, whether you like it or not. Um, it is very successful. It's all right. But in the early years of Marvel film adaptations, it was not all Excelsior. It was uh, in 1994. A Fantastic Four movie was made and directed by Roger Corman. And uh, it was never released. That's how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't handle it. Um, it lives. <laughs> yeah, it lives on in bootleg copies at comic book conventions and on the Internet or directly to TV. And if you know Roger Corman movies, such amazing, you know, gems of cinema as they are. Um, it, it's kind of like you were saying earlier. It's like like some of those movies are so bad, they're good. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Uh, it was a dumpster fire of foam costumes and low budget effects. And Doom was the main antagonist in this, and he was portrayed by Joseph Culp. Um, I won't go into the storyline, but you just have to look up clips, and it's 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 amazingly terribly awesome. I also wanted to say that there's a really great documentary on Amazon called Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. And I think that right there, <laughs> if you don't want to actually watch the film, which I would not recommend to anybody, uh, if you want to yeah. watch the documentary, it's very, very interesting. And it goes into yeah. extreme detail about what actually went wrong in this whole making of The Fantastic Four. I, yeah, it's great. And it's so weird to think about like 94. I mean, this is you know, nine, 91, 90 is like the it's the beginning of the big boom in, in Marvel and DC. I mean, you've got X-Men coming out and you've got an image comics. And I mean, like it's it's everything's happening and you're like, wow, this would be the heyday. And then how come we didn't really hear about this? It's like it this started and then it was quietly buried. Right, right. Um, it was, it's just such a weird like contrast to think about like let's make this live action oh no never mind um <laughs> they did it so to essentially happened. keep the rights correct yep mm-hmm. yeah i yep. think so yeah. yeah yep if they hadn't made the film it would have reverted back to marvel jeez mm-hmm. which we'll so, see as a trend I, I don't want to spoil anything but this yeah. is a trend that we'll see going forward this is a trend. So um, about 10 years later in 2005, uh, Doom had another chance. Portrayed this time by Julian McMahon of Nip Tuck yes. fame. Great oh, show. Um, Doom Doom uh, was part of the Fantastic Four, a new series, for, for a new movie that came out from Fox. Um, they had just released, you know, uh, I think the first two X-Men movies. I don't think the third one had come out in 2005. Um, but you know, so they were like, Hey, we have rights to fantastic four. We're going to do this fantastic four movie. It's got a great cast. We got Chris Evans as Johnny storm. We got you know, Jessica Alba as invisible woman. Ian Gruffold as Mr. Fantastic. Michael Chiklis, the shield. Yeah, this is going to be great. And we got the lead of nip tuck is going to be Dr. Doom. It's going to be awesome. Um, so doom is a college friend of Reed Richards and he funds the space mission to study the cosmic rays. Okay. It's kind of close to origin sort of um in the film he's exposed to a cosmic dust cloud all right a little different um doom gains powers like electrical manipulation magnetism super strength and energy absorption because he was exposed to this dust cloud now remember all those powers i talked about earlier magnetism electrical manipulation (laughs) like those weren't part of that list. No. Uh, it basically got all these weird powers that are not Dr. Doom. 
Um, anyway, so he and, and also also his flesh starts to slowly become an organic metal compound in the movie. And then towards the end, he puts on a cloak and a mask on top of his organic metal flesh because uh, I guess that's what you reasons. do. And then he fights uh, and then they freeze him and put him in a box and he gets mailed back to his country. Uh, it's so it's just. A lot of things wrong with those. So you're, so you're saying you didn't like it. <laughs> it was good enough. I, it, whether or not I liked it or not, Lance, it was good enough to warrant a sequel. Enough people paid money for that to create 2007's Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, where Julian McMahon comes back and he's in full Doctor Doom scene chewing glory. He gets his butt kicked very briefly by the surfer in the beginning. I love yeah, it. And he, and he <laughs> finds out about the Silver Surfer. And he's like, and he, I think he meets him above Greenland or something. And he's like, Hey, I, I want you to work for me. You're, we, we should work together. And Silver Surf is like, no, no, I, I'm working for Galactus. Cool, man. I got a job cloud up in the sky. And uh, yeah, and they fight and then doom gets healed in the battle and he, his skin and his whatever, you know, goes away and he turns back into good looking doom guy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but then eventually he, he does. Yeah, he, he does take um, he, he creates a new armor because um, it's a sequel and he gets the board from Silver Surfer. So you see Dr. Doom riding the cosmic wave and he annihilates a bunch of people and, you know, and Galactus is a cloud or something. So that that's the sequel to to the Fantastic Four movie. So I don't know if, if I've said this yet or not, but uh, kind of talking so much about the Fantastic Four and Dr. Doom, it seems seems appropriate to say that. My favorite character in Marvel Comics is the Silver Surfer. Uh, he has always been my favorite, even from when I was a kid. And this should have been something completely for me. I mean, you've got Doctor Doom, you've got the Fantastic Four, you've got mm. finally a, a live action version of the Silver Surfer. It's a big pile of crap. And uh, it was, I would say this one is probably worse than the first one. Oh, yeah. It's offensively yeah. bad. Mm -hmm. Yes. I and mean, they got this whole wedding thing, but the wedding doesn't happen. It's, and then Johnny Storm absorbs the powers of everybody like a super scroll. But he, why? Yeah. You know, it's just it's kind of just weird. <laughs> um, but there is one more. Oh, do you want to say do you want to add was, in? Something I was just going to say the the MCU is two for two with taking Fox uh, <laughs> uh, uh, human torches. Probably. Yeah. No, taking two human torches and making them better characters in the MCU because Chris <laughs> Evans becomes Captain America and Michael B. Jordan becomes Killmonger. Yeah. So just saying, yeah. two for two with human torch changes. And I, for and sure, I would yeah. love to it's, see, if, if there's one consistency through all of this, I would love to see Michael Chiklis come back as the thing in some way. I, maybe like in some kind of multiverse fashion, uh, that would be cool. Because mm -hmm. I think he was maybe one of the major highlights Obviously, Chris Evans is the, as the he was great. Yeah. Chris Evans as the Human Torch is pretty good too. Um, you know, I, I think those are probably your two main highlights from those original. I guess not; they're not the original, but the two thousands versions of the Fantastic Four. So, Michael Chiklis deserves at least one more shot. I hope in some kind of multiverse fashion. There was one more, which was the two thousand fifteen reboot <sighs> called Fantastic Four, where the four no, was part no, of the A. So no, no, no. It's been called Fantastic Four Stick. We got to call it by its real name. Fan Four Stick. There you go. Fan Four Stick. So that was basically, like you said, Fox saying we got to keep the rights. Let's make a quick movie. And so this one was they they took the 
story in kind of a different, it was like a darker sort of, you know, dark night uh, reboot, got dark knighted, but sort of, and it didn't really have a lot of humor and doom appeared again. And then I'm not even going to get into the plot. It involved going to another crash dummy in the universe. And yeah, Yeah. it's just, Oh, his design is horrendous. Horrible. Yeah. So he's portrayed by an actor named Toby Kebbell, who is amazing. Great. You need to in black mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's great in Black Mirror in the in the entire history of you episode. You know, I think Roger Corman's movie is better than this. This one. is like, it was this is notoriously again. This is my least favorite comic book movie of all time. Uh, and if you guys remember, to, if you can go back to those days when this and that trailer first came out for Fan Four Stick, uh, I remember being really really excited. That first trailer really yeah. had me going because me too. you had this new director and Josh Trank coming in hot off of Chronicle. A, a, a movie that I actually mm-hmm. just recently watched a couple months ago, and it still is really good. Um, it's great. And uh, you had heard rumblings about some behind-the-scenes stuff that didn't go really well, and the, the actors were kind of turning against Josh Trank, and there was a lot of like delays and reshoots, and you're like, oh, no. And I would say the first 20 minutes of this movie is really, really interesting, and I think is like sets up a lot of really interesting, interesting things. And then, bam, we get a time jump. And it, the movie just... It's like a nosedive from there on. The cast is great. Like Toby Kebbell is a great actor. If you haven't seen uh, Guy Ritchie's film Rock and Rolla, he's like the main character in that film. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like I th- like among the other actors, they've been nominated for countless awards for other films. And so it should have worked like amazing director, fantastic cast. But then it, it just did not go anywhere. I, I really enjoyed the beginning of the film. And, but it, it just went nowhere right. and the ending was really abrupt. Ugh, it, no, no, thank you. Well, so we know that there is a new fantastic four movie in the works as of this recording. And, um, it will be a part of probably phase four, I think, uh, phase five, probably, maybe if probably phase five get delayed with COVID and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, uh, hopefully it's it's a great adaptation and probably doom is going to be part of the fantastic four movie here's here's my hope i don't want doom to be the main villain of the first film sideline him for a Mm. bit or introduce him briefly in black panther 2 like we talked about i want i want this first film to be an introduction to the characters uh because when you put doom in a movie you kind of have to make him a a central piece of that storyline we need to get to know these new versions of the fantastic four first Put him up against someone like the yeah. Mole Man. I think that'd be a great callback to the very first issue of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, someone yeah, like him, yeah. or maybe introduce some scroll, like Super Scroll from because we're getting more scroll, more we're getting a ton of scrolls right now in the MCU. Sure. Let's do Super Scroll mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, I, just Doctor Doom, I think, could be in the film in some capacity, but let's not make him the villain off off the dome because again, he needs he needs more explaining. He needs more backstory he needs to be a central piece of that storyline and to do to juggle all those things in one film for john watts who has directed you know the other spider-man movies in the mcu would be a lot to ask if he, if he is going to be the main villain of like an entire phase or, or build up or something like he's it, it's got to be something where he starts to make little appearances you know a la thanos and in mm-hmm. credit sequences and stuff like that yeah. so I, I, that would be that would be interesting Moving on to TV and specifically TV animation, uh, there have been a lot of appearances uh, of Doctor Doom in different 
TV animation. So we'll kind of touch on some key moments here. His first appearance in TV animation is an episode of the Marvel superheroes called Dr. Doomsday, <laughs> where he's voiced by Henry Raymer. Um, and he was also in Hanna-Barbera's Fantastic Four series in 1967, voiced by Joseph Cirola. In the 70s, they made another Fantastic Four series uh, where he was voiced by John Stevenson. And in the 80s, uh, there wasn't a Fantastic Four series, but he was he did make appearances in Spider-Man, the cartoon voiced by Ralph James. But he kind of sounded like Darth Vader because Darth Vader was very popular at that point. Right. <laughs> very uh, modulated voice like, you're a Fantastic Four. <laughs> and, um, and then in 1983, one of my favorite shows that we've talked about before on the show, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, <laughs> kind of my first cartoon yeah. love, um, where he was voiced by Shepard Mencken. In 1994, the Fantastic Four series, a new Fantastic Four series, um, he was voiced by several uh, actors, including Simon, Simon Templeton and Neil Ross. Doom also showed up in various episodes of The Incredible Hulk Show in 1996 and the classic Spider-Man 90s animated series. Um, in Fantastic Four, now we're in the 2000s, Fantastic Four World's Greatest Heroes, which is kind of like the anime looking cartoon. Um, he was redesigned quite significantly in a very long warlock cloak and an adamantium body armor um, voiced by Paul Dobson. Kind of a different look for Doom, but I I, I applaud them for trying something different. I'm actually looked that up. Um, yeah, it's it look up the costume. It's 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 like this long green cloak and this high collar. It's sort of like a Doom as Sorcerer Supreme kind of look, but uh, it's it's also very much the style I think of that that animation studio. He also made appearances in Iron Man Armored Adventures, which featured like a younger Iron Man, so he was part of that. Um and in 2009, Doom appears in the very kid-friendly Superhero Squad, which we've also talked about on the show. <laughs> Voiced by Charlie Adler, uh, Superhero Squad also had uh, ran for two seasons, but he's uh, also had like a video game adaptation where uh, Charlie Adler went on to do that. And Modok and the Abomination are his henchmen, and you know, and he's is looking for like the Infinity Sword or something, and it's all these superheroes. It's it's, it's a great show if you have a six year old. You know? Good old Infinity Sword. Yeah, yeah, they're all in fractals, and so they do crazy things and stuff. And in 2013 through 2017, he makes various appearances in a lot of the Avengers cartoons that have come out in the last 10 years. Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Assemble, and then there's also Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where he is a part of that. So nothing like that's supremely Doom-centric, but he definitely is present uh, in a lot of these shows. And finally, we're going to talk about video games. So his first video game appearance was actually kind of ties into one of Lance's Grail finds, which is uh, the amazing Spider-Man and Captain America in Dr. Doom's Revenge as the main boss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that I was, totally I knew that the, was a game. <laughs> that was one of the early 8-bit, uh, you know, Spider-Man games. He goes on to appear in most of the Marvel superhero uh, Marvel versus Capcom fighting games. So like the Capcom games, um, Doom is a playable character in most of those. Um, he's in the Fantastic Four video game adaptations of the two Fox films. And it, once again, voiced by Julian McMahon. Um, he's, uh, a, I believe, a playable character or at least no, not a playable character. 
He is a villain in Marvel Nemesis Rise of the Imperfects as the main boss who kind of recruits all the other villains as you do. Um, he's part of what what <laughs> hey Lance, what game do we do I always talk about in every Marvel character? Uh Lego games. There you go. Lego Marvel Superheroes. <laughs> he is definitely in that. He's in Mar- Marvel Future Fight, Marvel Contest of Champions, and he also is in Fortnite as a playable character skin in uh, Battle Royale Chapter Two. You gotta have your mm-hmm. Doctor. You gotta have your Doctor Doom skin. You know, that's how you get me playing Fortnite right there. <laughs> Doing some flossing, yeah. Doctor Doom. <laughs> flossing, Doctor Doom. <laughs> Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. For this issue, we thought it would be interesting to have what sorcerer or scientist from another universe would you like to see Dr. Doom encounter and clash against? So, Chris, why don't you go first for this one? Okay, so I wanted to kind of go off uh, on a different path here. I I was thinking about potentially just pairing up with someone like... Zatanna or Dr. Fate over at DC, but I thought that was kind of an easy answer. So I actually decided that I was going to have Victor encounter Albus Dumbledore from the Harry Potter universe. So obviously <laughs> oh, nice. two characters who are not afraid to do the wrong thing to get to the right, you know, reward. And uh, in this encounter, basically you have a, uh, a battle of ideals and how they uh, tend to agree that sometimes you have to do something bad to get somewhere good. And, um, I think as you do, as, as again, as someone who loves Dr. Doom, if they were to clash, I think Dr. Doom takes out Dumbledore in less than five minutes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Um, plants. All right. So initially I was going to think, I was thinking potentially John Constantine, just cause I think it would be funny to have, uh, John just berate Doom and Doom would, I was saying, I would think he would just kill him just because he was so annoyed by Constantine. <laughs> or actually, I found out after we recorded our Constantine episodes, it's pronounced Constantine. Ah. So sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry to the people that wanted it to be pronounced Constantine. I'm sorry. I've never heard of it nor heard of but it. But in every movie, like they say Constantine. Yes, like so it's That's because, yeah. America. But it's supposed We're to be Constantine. We're not British. Oh, well. It's We're okay. not British. But anyway, uh, I didn't go with John Constantine. Uh, because, uh, like many of our listeners know, I have become obsessed with uh, Invincible. So, of course, I chose Angstrom Levy. Uh, <laughs> Angstrom Levy is uh, one of those characters that is vicious and vindictive and uses a essentially a mixture of technology and pseudo-magic, essentially. Uh, it's, it really is technology, but it's done in a way that looks like magic, so I thought this was an interesting matchup. So you have a character that is able to create teleportation portals and send characters to different locations. So I imagine this insane fight between the two of them with Angstrom, Levy, and Dr. Doom just sending each other all over the place because (laughs) Doom also has the ability to teleport. And so I see this as being multi-panel spanning, just being shoved left and right you have angstrom with all these crazy devices that he uses at the same time to perform attacks while doom is going to have his armor to uh, be able to defend against them i think doom clearly wins in the end but i think it would be a spectacle to watch angstrom try and fight against somebody that also has 
that technology level to him. But again, mm-hmm. Doom's going to destroy him. But I would love to see <laughs> their banter and the the panels. All done by Ryan Otley. Please, Ryan Otley. Yeah. <laughs> illustrating, yes, yes. illustrating Dr. Doom, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually I'm reading through Invincible right now for the very first time. Uh, I've been putting it off for many years. I don't know why. And, uh, yeah, of course, the, the television show kind of propelled me into this. And I just finished the first compendium, and I think one of the last fights that he had is against Anstrom. What's his? I'm sorry. It's uh, what? Angstrom Levy. I was going to say Angstrom. I just want to make sure I was saying that correctly. Uh, I love the fight between him and Mark where he keeps sending Mark into these different panels or yes. what he, what he has yeah. his mother yeah. kind of like, you know, at, uh, holding her hostage essentially. It's a great sequence. Yeah, and I, I definitely could see Victor getting just like, kind of like almost putting up with it for a bit to see where it goes. And then eventually just like snapping his fingers or doing something and just like crushes him. You know, like again, I think, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to take away here from Chris's what he wants to do, but I would love to see a matchup where we think, Dr. Doom loses. I mean, who who's going to beat Dr. Doom in a, in a one-on-one fight? I don't know many. Well, I, I don't know if he would beat him, but I, I definitely think it would be a fun fight. So originally I was also thinking of Dr. Fate. Um, I, I, I also kind of briefly was going to pick Mitchell hundred from ex machina, which was an image comic. And he's this techno, you know, kind Love of Brian K. Bond guy that makes a bunch of gadgets and everything like that. But, but I wanted to try to think of somebody that was an equal parts sort of, um, technology as well as, um, as well as a, a, a mystical force, if you will. So I went with Darth Vader <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I want to see, you know, Darth Vader versus doom, um, kind of going against each other and, and Vader just is using all of his, you know, technology in terms of like ships and, and, and lasers and, and everything like that, like all of these droids and stuff that he's made, um, to wear doom down and doom just like, you know, going through them with all of his powers. And then eventually like doom has to come up with some way to fight against like a lightsaber, um, whatever that might be energy projectiles or something like that. And just, and the force and everything like that. And I'm sure doom would have the will to withstand like, force powers but it would just be a really interesting matchup to see where that goes i think alex ross has actually created a portrait of this battle that you've thought of i think he he's created he's he's i i I think i i I have it here online (laughs) i can send it to you guys but it's great it's basically darth vader coming down with a lightsaber and dr doom stopping it with some some type of like force power Mm -hmm. that's amazing that's awesome i to to go along with kind of that pairing as far as using the force against dr doom I'll say that in one of the storylines, when Emma Frost is around, he's like trying, she's trying to get into his head and he just looks at her and he's like, stop trying to get into my head. <laughs> so he like knows when people are trying to do it. I was just like, oh, again, that's, that's scary. Don't want to mess with him. Yeah. But I think that would be, a, I think that would be a great matchup. We'll have to put that on as a poll. Who would you like to see Dr. Doom go up against? And we'll list the three and see, see what turns out. Now, yeah. Now that I'm looking it up, I guess there's, uh, I'm not alone or terribly original in this because <laughs> there's like, uh, you know, epic battles and st- people have done stuff like this <laughs> with Doom versus Darth Vader before. Well, he's but, one of those characters that often um, wins, so he's going to be a popular pick as far as like putting up against who you think is a more powerful, formidable foe. So, you know, that's yeah. going to happen. 
Nice. I, I'd still, I'd still read all three of these comics. Oh yeah, It'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I just want to create a twelve issue maxi of just Doctor Doom going to different fiction across all comics, not you know, prose novel, television, anything, and just fighting whoever the biggest villain is in that universe. Oh yeah, that's the best. That's I can a bestseller. Be- yeah. Doom finding out, like, uh, if, if they ever do another Marvel DC, like, you know, where he finds out about the DC universe, and he's like, well, I've had trouble with, you know, Marvel universe, so I'm going to go over to this other one, and it causes this whole, like, I'm going to take start taking over Earth 2 or whatever, <laughs> and, and, and then all the Marvel heroes have to come over and try to, he, like, teams up with Darkseid or something. <laughs> Just... Doom, Doom versus Brainiac could be a fun one, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. All right. This is, see, this is what we're doing. We're just kind of going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> um, well, Lance, you want to you wanna wrap us up here? Yeah. So, uh, Chris, thank you again so much for joining us. Why don't you do another plug and, and tell our listeners where they can find you? Well, I want to firstly say thank you guys so much for having me on here. Again, I love the comic book keepers. You guys, every time you show up on my RSS feed, I am instantly listening to the episode. I, I actually love the episode that you recently did for Deadpool. The Black Panther episode, I think, is my favorite that you guys have done. So, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. I, I love Thank you. the part that you guys are part of the community there on Twitter with all the different comic book podcasts. So uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, anyone listening to this, if you want to subscribe to the Oblivion Bar podcast, I hope that you do. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on all the platforms. So please look us up, the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. We're on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, backslash, or is, I think it's forward slash, forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. And then we're on Twitter, or excuse me, <laughs> we're on Instagram, the Oblivion Bar. And the reason why that one is different is because for some reason, our, our first Oblivion Bar Pod Instagram page was flagged for some reason. Because I guess we must have posted a, a, a vulgar picture of like Spider Man or something, and it got us shut down <laughs> for whatever reason. So uh, the Oblivion Bar on Instagram. And uh, we hope that you come join us over at the Oblivion Bar. New episodes every Monday. We just set up a Patreon uh, where we're doing a bonus episode each week called The Grid. So that's really exciting. And for episode 40 of The Oblivion Bar, we're having on one of my favorite comic book writers and artists, uh, I want to say of all time, Daniel Warren Johnson will be joining us on the show to talk about Beta Ray Bill, Murder Falcon, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, all of it. I cannot wait to listen to that one. Mm -hmm. I... I loved Beta Ray Bill, so yeah. I'm I'm so excited to listen up. But if you enjoy our show, you should absolutely check Oblivion Bar Pod. It it's it's gonna have that same nerdy love feeling that like the information is gonna be fantastic. You're always gonna learn something, you're gonna laugh, you're gonna enjoy it. So definitely check them out. Yeah, thanks Chris again for coming on the show. Thank you guys very much. So it's time to close the book on Doctor Doom. So until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. And Chris, reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Mm-hmm.